Morning, everybody. I actually thought I was preaching next week in my head, but Nathan had offered to do this slot. And I, first of all, I said yes, he could. That'd be great, because I've been quite busy. But actually, God spoke to me and said, no, you do it. And um, so, so I'm going to do it. And um, this, this passage I'm going to look at has really um, blessed me and spoken to me. And I really pray that today... There'll be, it's about the, you know, Lazarus rising from the dead. So we're going to practice rising from the dead later and all sorts of things like that. But, but, um, um, but it's, it's an amazing picture of, of who Jesus is, what he can do, and, and just of him breaking barriers and, and destroying every barrier that there is that prevents us from coming to him. So, so I want to share that with you. Um, So we're going, to, we're going to look at a passage in John's Gospel. And you notice I've got paper notes today, which is a first for me. So, so we'll see how we go. Um, I try all sorts of ways to do notes, and, and none of them work, and all of them work. So we're going to, um, so we're going to look at John chapter 11, and I've titled this, um, you know, Let's Rock and Roll, and you know, actually, I think we do need to you know, sort of rock and roll a bit. Um, it's about a rock that was rolled away. So that's the, the, the sort of strap line. Do you, you get that? Yeah. Okay. And um, so, but we're going to go, I'm going to go through each section of this, um, just, just one section at a time. And we're going to just look at this, this, this um, not all of the passage, but most of the passage, so that we can just glimpse what we're, what we're trying to get out of this and although it's about Lazarus Lazarus has nothing to do with this right? Lazarus can't do anything about this situation he is dead right? he is dead and, um, and Martha who's his sister is probably the, the, the main human star of the show and we want to look at her journey actually towards how she appreciates exactly who Jesus is and it's a sort of journey we can all go on and we can all relate to and although this is 2,000 years old this story I think we can relate to some of this some of this stuff um, but actually predominantly it's about Jesus it's about him being the center of it all and him being the one that that is the if you like the star the star of the show um, because he's, he's painting a picture of what what he's going to do and what uh, you know how he's going to rescue us. So this is um, the, in John's Gospel. This is the seventh um, sign that that um, that he sh- that he talks about. It's the seventh sort of miracle. Um, there's been lots of there's been six others before, obviously, because it's the seventh one. And um, you worked that out, didn't you, all you mathematicians? And uh, and it's this is there's been others where he's fed the five thousand, where he's healed blind people. Um, the first one was about a wedding, and it's about him, you know, being the bride, and uh, sorry, us being the bride, and him being the groom, and, and that whole wedding. These are all pictures of what he's what he's doing. But we're going to look at John chapter eleven, chapter eleven, and I'm going to read the first seven verses to start with. It says, "Now, now, a man named Lazarus was ill. He wasn't just ill; he was very, very ill. All right, he was um, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha." 
And this, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. I should say that that episode in John's Gospel happens after this. So obviously John thought he'd written it and then didn't. All right? so, so just, you know, it, it's, it happens afterwards, that, that episode in, 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 um, in the text. It says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. Now it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciple, disciples, let us go back to Judea. And you see that, that he says he loved, he loved Lazarus and her sisters, and yet he stayed two more days. And we've been encouraged, haven't we, today to, to just, just take your time. We can wait. Yeah, you don't have to answer that, you know, that Facebook quote straight a post straight away. All right, you don't need to have to answer that email straight away. We can wait. And Jesus waited for two for two days, by which time Lazarus was well and truly dead. And yet, you know, time is in God's hands. All right, God invented time. It's His creation, and time is in His hands. And we we just need to sort of tune into Him. And what Jesus was doing in these two days, he was really engaging with the, with the Father. He was what we would call praying. He was, he was saying, look, this is a big deal here. Because he, you know, he was aware Lazarus was pretty well dead at this point. And, he, he, he is, um, and yet he says he loved him so much that he actually wanted to wait and hear what the Father had to say about this. And therefore, he could then work on what the Father was saying. Because what Jesus was doing all the time, he says, I'm doing what the Father is telling me to do. And, and just as a lesson for us in terms of prayer, of us continually trying to hear what it is that the Father is saying to us. What is he saying for you to do? Because quite often we jump in, don't we? We jump in and we, we pray that prayer that we think is the right prayer. And... Let's, let's just listen. Let's, let's tune our ears. All right? One of my ears is, is blocked at the minute, this one. Um, but I need to tune my ears to what the, what the Father is saying to me about situations. And then we can see breakthrough. And then we can see things happen. The other thing is that it was all about God's glory. That all through this, Jesus is, is, keeps reminding the, the disciples and Martha and the people that this is about God's glory. This is about bringing glory to the Father through Jesus. And the reason for doing that is that he wants to bless us as we trust him. He wants to engage with us as we trust him. And that's the reason why he needs to be at the centre of all that is going on. We're going to go on to the next bit. And, um, and this says, in, in we're going to go on to chapter, uh, verse 20, 20 to 26, because um, basically Jesus says, come on, we're going. Um, he takes all his disciples back down towards Jerusalem. 
They've been, they've, they were in Jerusalem, they've come a long way from Jerusalem, and now they're going back to Jerusalem, because that's where all the, all the enemies are. That's where all, the, all the, the problems will be. And he knows exactly what he is doing. And, um, and when he gets there, it says, when, this is verse 20, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, well, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they die, and whoever, and even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question to you. Do you believe this? These are the most astonishing, amazing, incredible <laughs> words, <laughs> pretty well, in the New Testament. I am the resurrection and the life. Because he looks into, into Martha's eyes, and he looks through her grief, and he looks through her, 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 her sorrow, and he says to her, he says, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. And what he's saying is, I know, I, you know, I know your grief. I know how much you're grieving for your, not just her brother, it was her livelihood, it was her future, it was her security, it was her friend. And many of us here have lost friends, haven't we, you know, who've, who've died. And we've, we've experienced grief. We've lost relatives who have died, and we experience grief. And um, the interesting thing about Martha is she doesn't blame Jesus for this. She says, if you'd been here, my, my brother would not have died. But there's no sense of disappointment with God. I think, Jen, you shared about being disappointed yeah, with, with God. There was no sense of disappointment in God. In fact, there was faith. And where there was faith, there was a chance that Jesus could build on that. There is a chance that Jesus can, can sort of increase that faith and, and, and support her faith. But he says to her, he says, um, he says that your greatest need, in effect what he's saying is, your greatest need isn't to have your brother back. Your greatest need is, is me. Your greatest need is to know me. Your greatest need is to have me. Because I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who, who is the centre of it all. And I know that's, and that's, and that's, that may sound harsh, but this is, a, this is a God, and people talk about you know, God being a bit harsh or a bit remote, but this is a God who loved them truly. This is a God, Jesus, who, who cried and wept over the, over the death of his friend. So it's, it's not true that there's no compassion or there's no grace or there's no, no love. There is love, but he is also saying that actually the most important thing you can have is me. And C.S. Lewis says this, he says, God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. And he wants to give us peace and happiness in himself. That's why Jesus says to her, you need me. You need me. I know your grief. I understand your grief. He's a God who's acquainted with our sorrows, you know, and acquainted with grief, it says in Isaiah. But he, he understands. But he says, your greatest need is to have me and to know me 
and to have a, have a communion with me. And he says to her, do you believe this? And I, and I say it to me, yeah? Do I believe this? Do I believe this? Yeah? That he is all I need. He is sufficient for me. There's another quote that I've, I've read recently from a lady called Rebecca McLaughlin. She says, The space between Lazarus's death and Jesus' calling of him out of the tomb is the space in which Martha set, sees Jesus for who he really is, her very life. And this passage is about us seeing Jesus for who he really is, which is our very life. He is, he is all that we need. We'll go on. Because um, Martha goes off and, and calls Mary and says, her sister, and says, hey, come and, you know, Jesus is here. What are you, you going to do? And pretty much he goes through the same, same thing. It says, in verse 32, this is of John 11, it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says the same thing. Yeah, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But there's no sense, again, of, of disappointment or, or um, rebuke in, in that. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had, who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. And they said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus wept. That is the shortest verse in the, in the whole of the Bible. All right, Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus was deeply moved. He was like deeply moved. This is a, a compassionate God. But the word there means that he was also deeply angry. He was, the, the word implies that, that he was, um, you know, he, he was incredibly angry angry the the message translates it like this it says it says um a deep anger welled up within him now jesus wept and then a bit later on it says then jesus the anger again welling up within him arrived at the tomb he is angry he is angry and we, and we have a compassionate god we have the lamb who who will walk put his arm around people and walk alongside them but we have the lion who is incredibly angry but he's not incredibly angry at, um, at um, Martha or Lazarus for dying or, you know, all, this, all the people around him. He's incredibly angry because death shouldn't be there. He's incredibly angry that us as human beings should actually have to encounter death. That is not, it shouldn't be there. Seriously, it just shouldn't be there. There are things that... That, that, you know, that are there, and it should not be there. Um, I think uh, Calvin calls it a violent tyranny. And, um, and, and Jesus came, didn't he, to defeat that enemy, that final enemy, which was death. And he defeated that, that final enemy that was death. And he knew what he'd have to go through in order to defeat that final enemy. But he was angry. And we don't often talk about the anger of Jesus, do we? But he is angry. And I'd say to you, do you get angry at sin? Do you get angry that people are, are oppressed and distressed and are, and are put down? I get very angry sometimes. I've, I've, there's a couple of instances where I've, 
I've sort of recognised that actually there's, a, there's something demonic going on in somebody. And I will, I will talk to that demon very angrily. And I have to assure people, those people that I'm not talking to them. I am not talking to the people. But it makes me incredibly angry when I see people you know, destroying their lives again and again. And I know it's, it's satanic. It's demonic. You know, there are things as demons, okay? It's, it's satanic and it's demonic. And that makes me angry. It makes Jesus even angrier that this stuff should happen to people because it's not on. And that anger in Jesus drove him to do something about it. And I think the challenge to us is, does that anger that you might feel that people mess up again and again because of that, that satanic influence in their lives, that, that, that demonic sort of influence on their lives, does, does, that, does that force us then to do something? Because Jesus really did go and kick us. Yeah? He, he really did. That made him go and go to the cross. And there he defeated Satan. And there he destroyed death. That's why he could say, I am the resurrection and the life. That's why he got rid of that, that, that offensive thing that was called death. And he wants us to join him in that crusade. And, 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 and see people set free from those things that really, really impact on their lives. Because I should say, it is not on. And it's not just not on, it's a disgrace and it should not be. Do you believe that? So he says again, I've told you, I've told you, I've told you. All through this passage he says, didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you? And then he says, do you believe me? And I'm saying, yes, Lord, I, I, I believe you. We'll move on to verse, 11, sorry, verse 38 to 41. And it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad over, it smells, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And that's, this is, again, an amazing passage because Jesus isn't just, isn't, he says to them, take away the stone. Take away this rock. There's a tomb there. He's in a cave, and there's a rock in front of the, in front of the entrance. There's a big rock. And Jesus says to them, take that away. Push it out the way. Get rid of it. And Martha says what I would say, it stinks. He's putrefied. He is dead. Yeah? There is, there's, you know, a bad smell it would create. And, and basically, she had to overcome every social, cultural um, influence that was on her. Because for Jews, touching a dead body was, was bad enough. Opening a tomb would be like, woo! <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I'd go there. 
yeah you know us now it's not it's not something we do is it to open up open up tombs and see dead dead bodies and are, they've they've died you know four days ago and i should say that that the the, the Greeks particularly thought that after four, after four days, the soul left the body. So, and, and actually the verb doesn't, the, the verb here doesn't use the word he, because he's not he, he's just a, it's just a body. Yeah? And she says he's, he's dead. So she makes all the practical, scientific, cultural, social um, objections that we would find to doing stuff. And we often find, you know, there are objections. I'm always making objections to things that that shouldn't happen. I shouldn't speak to people in this circumstance or in this situation. And I'd, I'd, can I just use Matt as an example? Is that all right? I haven't asked you yet, have I? I will, I will do. But Matt, the other, the other week, shared, didn't he, how, how in, in work, he, he took the bold decision to offer to pray for somebody, you know, by the water cooler or in the coffee, coffee place. And, and that, I'm sure, well, I know, because I'd feel the same, went against every social, cultural norm that we could ever think of. Yeah? But he did it, and he prayed, and there was healing happened as a result of it. And we just need to take some of this stuff and say, you know, we, we, we are part of a kingdom that's turned everything on its head. We're a part of a kingdom where the, the least shall be the, the greatest. You know, where we are to become children where um, the first shall be last, where the, the, the poor in spirit shall inherit the whole kingdom. You know, we are in an upside-down kingdom, and, and we need to bring, you know, we are members of that kingdom, not members directly of this kingdom, and those rules don't always apply. And that's what Jesus is saying here. The rules don't apply here, guys. But actually, he was asking her to do something even, even more difficult than roll away the stone. He was asked, it wasn't just, and it wasn't just her, it was the people around there as well, because she couldn't do it all on her own. Um, he, he was asking her to do something even more difficult than rolling away that stone. As difficult as that was, he was asking her to believe in him. He was asking her to believe what he said. Because he says again, haven't I told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And that's to us, isn't it? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And one of the biggest boulders that we have in front of that tomb that we might be in is that we don't believe. I, you know, we don't believe what he says. And one of my greatest challenges often is, is that I am um, unchallenged about what I believe. About, is this true? Did, you know, that thing about God, did God really say? Did he really do that? Will he really turn up? You know, that challenge to me to believe is probably more difficult than, than rolling away that stone. And we, we just need to, to believe him. All through here he's saying, do you believe me? Do you believe me? Have I not told you? Have I not told you? Have I not told you? Have I not said that this is what will happen? And we just need to, guys, take him as he word. Because if we believe him... We will see the glory of God. If we believe him, we will see the glory of God. We're nearly there. And then uh, in verse 41, it says, Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the great clothes and let him go. Let him go. This was all an answer to prayer, yeah? Because Jesus had been praying. Because he says, Father, I thank you that, you that you heard my prayers. And so, you know, this, our, our series is about prayer. And this, is, this whole episode is about answers to prayer. And Jesus waiting to pray so that the stuff could happen when, you know, after that. And this is an answer to prayer. And Jesus says, I know that you always hear me. I know that you always hear me. And when I'm praying, do I say, I know that you always hear me. And I do know that he always hears. And Jesus, so, the thing is that Lazarus couldn't do anything. That's right, look this way. That Lazarus couldn't do anything. Lazarus was in a cave. He was in the dark. And we sang about that, you know, earlier on. He's, he's in the dark, literally. And he is powerless to do something. But once they'd rolled away the stone and Jesus shouts out, Lazarus, come out. And I remember a long time ago when we first set up this place that I think it was Vic, your, your dad, Jenny, Vic Everett, Jenny's dad, had a prophecy and talked about Chertsey come out. So, you know, whatever name it is, whether it's Lazarus or Bert, Jill or, or Simon or whatever, yeah, come out. We're calling out here, come out. Come out of the darkness. And people have to respond. And we have to offer that, that, that make that offer for them to come out. And we need to roll away the stone. And part of rolling away the stone is us, us saying to people, you know, the gospel is, is what we're doing today. It's is about the gospel. And, and we need to, to say to people, come out, come out, come out. And the only thing people need to do is to come out, is to respond, is to say, yes, Lord. There's that song earlier on, I think, Jesus is calling. And as he calls, we need to respond. Because we're dead apart from that. We're dead. And then he says to them at the end, uh, you take off the grave clothes. So there's, there's a couple of jobs we have to do. One is to roll away the stone. One is to, um, uh, is to make that, that call, as it were. And, and, the, and the third one is to, um, is, is to take, help people to take off those grave clothes. Take off those signs of what's in the grave. Take, take off those, those signs that, that are... Um, you know, a, an insult and an affront to God, which is the things that we wear that are part of the grave clothes, that are part of those. And rather than be, I know we have to take them off, but rather than be negative, I'd rather be positive. 
Because we have been clothed with a robe of, of righteousness. We have been clothed by the Holy Spirit. And we are to put on those new clothes, which are the, the clothes of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I've probably missed a few. But, but they are those things that we are to put on instead of those rubbishy, dire grave clothes that that really cover our faces and stop us from seeing. It says he came out, he had a cloth over his face. But Jesus says to him, let them go. Let him take the glaive crows off. And we need to help each other, don't we? Yeah? I can't see the stuff that's, that, that I'm wearing, as it were. Yeah? I don't know what, I can't remember what I'm wearing today, actually, without, without a mirror. But we need to be mirrors to people to say that stuff you're wearing doesn't suit you. I don't mean my clothes. If you come and insult me about my clothes, I will argue about that, right? I don't mean my clothes. I mean my character, my attitudes, my way of thinking, my way of, of approaching people, my way of dealing with people, my way of dealing with situations. They're the, they're, the, they're the stuff of the grave clothes. They're the stuff of the grave. They're the stuff of the, the dead. And we are not dead. We are alive in Jesus. Because he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am, I am every, everything to you. <clears throat> and we need his clothes and his righteousness and his robes put on us. Our position is as kings and princes and princesses in a kingdom. And, and if I walk around in scruffy jeans and scruffy clothes, not that there's nothing wrong with walking around in scruffy jeans and scruffy clothes, but... You know, in my position, my position is as a son and daughter of the living God. And I want to walk around in his clothes and his garments of salvation, not in the stuff that I got when I was in the, in the, in the grave. And I was in the grave. And, I, and he's given me life. And he's given me abundant life. And we need to challenge things, don't we, in our society that say, you know, it's not true. It's not, tr- it's not, um, not relevant. And, and we need to challenge the way of thinking of people and our, and our way of thinking that influences us that says it's okay to have those grave clothes. It is okay, but we want you to get rid of them. I need somebody to help me because I'm going to just demo this. Okay? So here, imagine this is the stone in front of the grave. Okay? So we'll act this out. We're going to act this out. You good for that? Yeah? yeah? Okay? Okay. So we're going to push this stone. So Jesus says, push the rock away. Didn't he? Push that stone away. So come with me. We're going to push it over there. Just, all right. And then if you can imagine Lazarus coming out the toilet. All right? You okay? And, and um, you know, and, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. All right? The door's open. So it takes a few people to move this stone away, doesn't it? It takes a congregation. It takes a group of people to move this stone away. And, um, and then Lazarus comes out in, in this, which looks like the grave digger's clothes, okay? And he comes out. This is my painting clothes, by the way. He comes out in this. And he comes out in grave clothes. He comes out in, in rather tatty, oil-filled stuff, Okay? And Jesus says, take that off him and put something else on him. And he says, wouldn't you rather be put in one of these? All right, is that okay? So, so he says, get that out of the way and put some new clothes on. 
put something on that's fitting to be a king and a queen in, in my kingdom. And um, you, can, you can try this later if you like. But that's, you know, that's just, I mean, this is just a picture. But this is what he's asking us to do. He's asking to be a community that will roll away the stone. And he's asking us to be a community that will, that will dress people in proper clothes. In the clothes that they should be in. Because death is an affront. It's an affront to God. It's not what he intended. It's not what we're about. We're about resurrection and life. We are about Jesus. We are about who he is and how gracious he is and how compassionate he is and how angry he is <laughs> about, about the fact that death should even exist at all. And we want to destroy that in all its guises amongst people that we meet. Let's do that.